Paul and Silas. You've heard this story before, but it's very fitting with what is going on today in our world. And uh, they were, you know, sometimes we think that what's going on in our world today is different than it's ever been, and, and nobody's ever went through what we're going through. And we're going to find out today that Paul and Silas were going through some of the very same things that we're facing in our country today, um, trying to understand where the government's coming from and trying to understand where God wants us to be and, and serving God no matter what. We talked with the youth this morning. It was about we need a king, and the king is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and today we've got a lot of people fighting to be the king. And there's only one king. There's only one king of kings and lord of lords, and his name is Jesus. And so we battle and we struggle, and is there any way to find salvation in the midst of all the chaos that we're facing as a country, as a family, as a world today? And I say yes. I say that Jesus never, never quits reaching out, saving people, offering salvation. And I guess, guys, in, in the midst of the chaos of our world in this country, I think this is the one message that preachers have to preach stronger than ever before is Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Because he is the answer to what's going on. He is the answer to all this mess up and all the chaos that's going on. And Paul and Silas knew that as they began on this new journey together. Uh, they knew that the answer to the world was salvation. They knew that the answer for people to, to find a way through the clouds and through the darkness that they're trying to fight their way through is the, the shining light of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and guys, that's still true today. That's still true today. As we look at where we've been through Acts in the first 15 chapters, we've seen God do some amazing things. We've seen some miracles, and as the Bible calls signs and wonders that we've seen. Let me name just a few. We've seen the gift of tongues on Pentecost. We've seen the healing of the lame man. We've seen the, the really, and you don't really think of it as a miracle, but it really was, in a sad way, the death of Ananias and Sapphira as they lied before God. They fell dead in church. That'll tell you not to tell a lie in church, right, kids? Yeah, amen. Uh, tell the truth. But we don't think of that as a, a wonder, a sign. That was a sign. That was a wonder of God that he wanted the church to know that there's only one head of this church, and it's, it's me, and I know what's going on, Jesus said. Also, we've seen the apostles set free from prison before, and we're going to see that happen again today. We've seen... Uh, uh, Saul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. That was a wonder that he would come face to face with Jesus Christ after he had been put on a cross, after he'd been resurrected, after he had ascended into heaven, he made an appearance to Saul during his conversion experience. The healing of Aeneas by Peter. We've seen the restoration of life of Dorcas, and she was brought back to life. We've seen Peter's vision of the sheet let down that go eat all that I've given you. Quit Quit worrying about the laws and the rules and, and, and live in grace. Live in the love of Christ. We've seen the slaying of Herod. You remember Herod had said, and worms come up and eat up Herod and, and killed him because of his meanness and, of course, his hostility toward God's people. Paul's restoration after the stoning. A few weeks ago, we read about Paul being stoned. And it said that he got up, went back in the city, and began to preach. That's amazing that's an amazing work, a sign, a wonder. Guys, when you got stoned back in those days, when people threw rocks at you, you didn't get up. They took you out and buried you in a hole. But the protection of God over Paul and over his, his ministry is amazing. It's amazing as we see that. 
Also, we've seen Paul today, we'll see him cast out an evil spirit out of a girl. And so God is up to some great things. He is up to some great things. And I guess the question is, before we really get into the meat of our study this morning, is should we still expect God to do signs and wonders today? Should we expect God to do miracles in our, in our midst today? Should we expect great signs from God? And, and really, there's kind of two ways people go on that. One way, they go all the way to the left and they say, oh, no, no, that was all, that was all back then. And uh, we, we shouldn't expect anything great nowadays. We've got the Bible, and we do. It's a great thing. Uh, and then the other side of that is, um, hey, listen, he's the same Jesus today, yesterday, and forever. And so he's willing to do miracles, and he's going to repeat some of these same miracles, and people are still waiting for him to do some of these very same things he did in Acts. You know how I answer that? Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do. You know what? He can do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to do a miracle like he did in Acts, you better believe he can do it. If he chooses to teach us through his word, he can do that. But I think this, guys, I think this, and I think I'm as guilty of this as anything. I think we need to expect God to do big things in our life. I don't think we think in supernatural things anymore. I think we live in a society that says, I've seen it all, I've done it all, I know it all, and I don't think God can surprise me. If you live in a life, if your life is full, and you live in a life that you don't think God can surprise you, you're not following God. And that's a pretty bold statement. But when we serve a supernatural God, that means he's not normal. That means he's not confined by properties of the world. He's not confined by scientific things. He's God. He's bigger than it all. And if God chooses, we should look. We should be looking for God to do something supernatural in our life. Guys, when we pray, we ought to expect God to answer. Now, he may not answer it the way we think he ought to answer it, but we ought to expect him to answer it. When we go out and have contact in people's lives, we ought to expect God to do, we ought to be seeing God do great things in people's lives, things that are unexplainable. That's supernatural. Somebody that goes from rock bottom that has no chance, no opportunity, God gives them salvation, and you look at them three weeks later or a month later, a year later, two days later, six years later, they're on fire for God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. But do we expect that from God? Do we expect God to show up and do something big in our life? Or have we just sat back and enjoyed it for so long, we just say, well, this is, this is kind of as good as it gets. And you know what? If we have that kind of attitude, you know what? It is as good as it gets. When we don't really seek God to do something big in our life, when we don't seek God to do miracles in our life, and I'm not saying he's going to do something that's, and he may. He may. Sometimes when we use the word miracles, people think, oh, he's going to make the lame walk and the blind see. And those are miracles. But God's doing that in a, in a, in a spiritual way. When you're lost and you find Jesus, you were blind and couldn't see, but now you can see. You can see the truth. You can see light. We just don't expect God to do big things anymore, I don't think. Expect him to do big things. It says we should experience events in, in our lives that lie beyond the laws of probability. We should be aware that God is arranging contacts, opening doors, and overruling the opposition. I like that. We ought to expect that. We ought to expect God to win. We ought to expect God to overrule the bad things in our life. We ought to expect God to overrule the devil when he comes to tempt us. We ought to expect God to help us through our temptation so we can stand and be proud because of what God has done in our life. But we live defeated lives. We live casual lives. 
We live lives, oh, hum, oh, well, oh, boy. We live such de defeated lives, such defeated lives. We should see direct answers to prayer, God changing lives. We should see his hand in the midst of trials from our God. He is a supernatural God. And I think, guys, getting back to our story this morning, I think when Paul and Silas and Peter and all those that we see in Acts, I think when they went out, they just didn't know what to expect. They expected God to do something bigger and better every city they went. What if you woke up in the morning saying, God's going to do something big today? God's going to do something big today. If you went out of this building today saying, this week God's going to do something big in my life. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's through you for somebody else. Maybe it's somebody needs a friend. He's going to do that through you for somebody else. It's amazing. It's amazing as we look at it this morning. Well, let's read. I'm going to skip through the first part of 16. We'll come back and pick that up at a later date. But I want to take you on to 16. 16, 16 of Acts. As we look at salvation in a world of chaos. Acts 16, 16. Once we were going, once we, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now this is kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a good story right here. And imagine, isn't it always the way? What did he say once we were going to that place of prayer? Isn't it something when we're going to pray, when we're going to be with God, the devil always wants to show up and kind of ruin that. He always wants to throw a kink in the, in the thing there. You know, he always wants to kind of stumble us a little bit. And that's what's going on here. Once we're going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Now, guys, let me just tell you as Christians, the one we should look to for our future is Jesus Christ. He holds the future. He knows what's going to happen. He's not guessing. He's not making things up. There's no need for you to go to a, few, a fortune teller. There's no need for you to read tarot cards. There's no need for you to read the horoscope. None of that has nothing to do with you. Put your faith, if you're going to read the horoscope in the morning, take that time and read this right here. It'll do more for your future than that horoscope will. Amen or oh me? But Todd, I just read it this morning. It was dead on. <laughs> Amazing. Today, something good's going to happen to you. Doesn't that happen every day? You know, every day. If you know God, that happens every day. But, but she was telling, she was making a big living doing this. She was possessed by a demon. Now, I'm not saying everybody out there, fortune telling, possessed by a demon. Some are just trying to, most of them are trying to just take your money away from you, all right? It's just like gambling or whatever. They're just trying to take your money away, all right? But here she was, she had a demon in her, this particular lady, and she was making a bunch of money, and not only for herself, but for the guys that were her, her owners. She was a slave, remember? So let's look what happens. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you how the way to be saved. She's kind of mocking them. You can hear the devil coming out in her. Y'all, come on over here. These guys know salvation. They're going to really help you out. Come on over. And they know how to tell you to be saved. And man, Paul heard that. And she kept saying that and kept saying that. And he said, enough is enough. And he said, I'm not, I have the power of a supernatural God that lives with me. That, and the Holy Spirit is in me. And he just turned to her. Let's look what he said. He said, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, 
in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Woo! That's big stuff. That's power. That's a supernatural God. Does the devil bug you day after day? Does he just, does he just wait on your doorstep for you to come out the door in the morning? Or maybe he has a chair in your bedroom when you wake up, and he's sitting there. Mine does. He's just there all the time. Every time I look up in the house, there he is again. He's trying to do something to get me to do something God doesn't want me to do or trying to get me to ruin my testimony or trying to do something that would hurt my family or myself, hurt our church. He just, he just follows me around. It's like a little, little dog that nips at you all the time. Kind of like that crazy dog Steve's got, bites tires, you know. He just, he just bites at you all the time, you know. That's the way the devil is. He just won't leave you long. He just nags and nags and nags. The Bible said he's like a, a lion. Have you ever seen a lion at the zoo and he just kind of walks back and he looks and he walks and he's always looking to see who he can devour, who he can chew up, who he can destroy their life. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to kill you. He is about death and Jesus is about life. And he is trying to kill you. In some way, shape, or form. He's trying to kill your testimony. He's trying to kill you spiritually. Or he's trying to kill you physically. And if he can do that, he is a happy man. Guys, let's don't make the devil happy. We have the power in us. Just like Paul did. Remember that. Boy, if I could just be like Paul. If I could just have that power to overcome the devil. If I could just... You are. You are. You have the same God. The same Holy Spirit lives in you. He's given us the, the opportunity to overcome sin, to, to be bigger than sin through Jesus Christ. But we go back to that, that natural life, that not supernatural way, and we are defeated many days. Many, many days. When our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, think about this. This little girl, or this young lady, had been living with a demon in her. She had been living in such a way that she was tormented all the time. She'd been living in such a way that she was making money for other people. Paul, through the power of God, not Paul, but through the power of God, had set her free. He had set her free. He had brought salvation in a world of her chaos. And he had set her free. And all they could think about was their money. Their money their money. Maybe God's wanting to do something supernatural in your life and all you can think about is your money, your money, your money. And it limits God for what he can do. Did you know a man can limit God? You can limit God. Oh, Brother Todd, how can I limit the most powerful thing in all, all, all creation by saying no, by saying not me, because he gave you free will. You can turn your back on God. They did it over and over and over again in the Bible. And probably if you're like me, you've done it a time or two in your life but they were worried about their money. When their owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Then they brought them before the magistrates, or the, the, the law, the, the, the cops, the police. They brought them before the man and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar. Isn't it amazing how God is throwing things in an uproar? Think about that. Guys, this is right off the page of 2014 this week. This is right off the pages of Houston Chronicle this week. This week, the mayor of Houston stood up and said, I want every pastor to bring me their notes. 
I want every pastor to bring me their outline for this week. And if it says anything other than what I believe in, I'm going to arrest you. That's not in a foreign country. That's in Houston, Texas this week. They have passed a law in Houston that the voters didn't get the vote on that said that a man can dress up like a woman and go use the woman's bathroom. They can, we can use whatever bathroom we want. And they said no. They said we are not going to vote for this law. We want to vote on this law. And the preachers are standing in the pulpit and said this is wrong. This is against God's word. But the magistrate said we don't like that. They're making an uproar in our town. See how the Bible is just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago? You think Paul and Silas were dealing something with something we're not dealing with? Same thing. Same thing. Let me, see, let me show you what they did to them. These men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Boy, does that sound like today. We don't think the Bible is worthy to be used anymore as a way of making laws. We think that the Bible is old and out of date and it's out of and it doesn't work anymore and we think that what God used to say is wrong, he doesn't say that's wrong anymore. And so that's going against our our beliefs. Your laws and your customs, that's what they're saying the church is today. Your laws and your customs in the church, well listen, they don't apply to us. They don't apply to our country anymore. And so we don't want to hear that mess. And we want you to take God and take your church and your Bible and just get on out of here and shut up about it. And while we do, people are dying and going to hell. They're facing the same thing. It's the same exact thing. We couldn't have had a more appropriate sermon for today. These men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar by advocating customs unlawful. We don't believe they're the law anymore. We believe there's something different than that. We don't believe God's law is what you are to go by. Boy, guys, we are in the middle of the day when it's time to stand up for Jesus. We are in the day. And guys, I'm telling you, it's falling off the hill so fast it's just like what it says. It says, when these days come, it will come in a hurry. And I'm paraphrasing there. But he said, when we get in the last days, that old snowball is going to be rolling so fast. And it seems like every week, and I sound like a broken record. I know I do. You see, Brother Todd, you preached that last Sunday. But every week, guys, we see something come out that, that just blows our mind. How in the world did we get from there to here? You know how we did? We turned our back on the supernatural God and when it ran toward our own self. That's what we did. And we've sat by and we've kind of treated God haphazardly. And we kind of call on God when we need him or when we got a 911 emergency. And we've quit reading the word. We've quit telling our kids they need to go to church. We'll let them decide whether they go to Sunday school or not. We've decided that, you know, once, once a month is fine for church. You know, and we've done this over time. This just hadn't, hadn't happened, you know, like overnight. It's just been slowly coming. And so now today we're standing up in one church after another. One church after another. He's going, you know what? Jesus is a way, and, and there's another way, and maybe there's a third way to heaven. And they're walking away. They're walking away from the truth, guys. And I tell you, we've got to stay strong. Y'all hear me? Everybody look at me this morning. We've got to stay strong. 
We got to stay united. This is not political. This is Bible. This is not Democrat or Republican. This is Bible. What this Bible says is what we go by. Does everybody understand that this morning? The Bible says to render under Caesar's what Caesar's, and under God what's God's, okay? Now, I also know the Bible says this. God has not put authority over us. There's no authority over us that God hadn't put there. You mean God puts people in places over us? Yes. Even the ungodly? Yes. Why does he do that? To turn us back to him. Did you see that in the Old Testament? He'd raise up a, 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 a terrible king. A terrible king. He would, he would kill the people and turn them away and, and make them worship Baal and all these things. But they would get so much of it and they'd know their true God was there and they'd turn back to God. He would force them back to him because he knew the only safe place is in the arms of God. Here we are, 2014, guys, and in this world of chaos, there's still salvation in Jesus Christ, and the only safe place in this world is in the arms of Jesus Christ. The only safe place in this world is in the arms of Jesus Christ. And guys, we have got to know that because they're convincing us that we're not right. They're convincing us that the Bible used to be right, but it's not right. It's, it's a new day. We live in a new world. It's different now. It's not. Same sin, same devil, same salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the answer of this chaos. Guys, we, we un, got to understand, this is, not, this is not political anymore. This is Bible. And we've got to stand for Jesus Christ. But I want you to wait, look at the way Paul and Silas did it. Now, they could have they just... An uproar. Now they were arrested. Let's read, all right? Verse 22. They join, the crowd joined in the attack. Isn't it amazing how the majority will just rush in there with whatever's going on, all right? The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And listen to this part. After they had been severely flogged. Now this wasn't one of them whippings like your school principal give you, you know? You know? Sometimes Mike's got, you know, back in the day, Mike had to pull out the paddle, you know? And it was them three whacks, you know? Whack, whack, whack. And we get thinking, well, they just kind of beat him up a little bit and put him in prison. Guys, they took cane rods. Y'all ever went cane pole fishing? They took rods like that and just whipped them mercifully. Boom, boom, snap. Stripes all down their back. It says they were severely flogged. Why? What did they do wrong? They saved a young girl through Jesus Christ. They give her freedom. What did they do wrong? They got in their pocketbook. Your pocketbook will make you do stupid things. I don't know if that's linguistically correct, but it'll make you do stupid things. And they severely whipped these men. Flogged them. Because why? Because they cared about the soul of a young lady. Guys, the day is coming and we may be beaten because we cared for the souls of our neighbors. The day is coming that I may be arrested when I get up here and tell you that it's wrong for a man and a man to be married. The day is coming where I may be thrown in jail when I say it's wrong to have an abortion. That day's coming. It's coming. And I want y'all to just pray for me and I pray for me that I can, 
I can be Paul and Silas in that jail because it may come. But I feel of your support and more than that, I feel because of the support of Jesus Christ, we must preach the word without apology. We must. We must. Lord, help me. Lord, help us. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. I just didn't throw them in a Barney Fife jail, you know. We tend to look at this stuff, and we've seen it so many times, we tend to make it a big joke. We, we say, well, yeah, they got whipped, and they threw them in jail for a little bit, and then God let them out. Guys, they went through agony here. For why? For standing for the soul of a, of a young lady. For standing for Christ. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Oh, they must have got out of jail. <laughs> Did you see what happened here? Their joy was not affected by earthly circumstances. We are just happy people when everything's going good in our life. Amen? Everybody say amen. We are not so happy people. We are not so fun to live around when things aren't going well in our life. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Paul and Silas did not let their circumstances affect their joy. I pray someday when we're all sitting in jail together that we'll all be singing. Somebody be in the back, Steve, going, his guys sing us a song, and we'll get up and sing. All right, right there. You know? Guys, listen to me. We have to realize that Jesus is bigger than anything we face. Anything. What's coming down the road, I do not know. It may not come in my lifetime. It may be in my girl's lifetime. It may in their, be in their life. And we may see Jesus come back any day. I don't know. I know he knows, God knows, and I know he's in control. We must not lose heart. We must not grow weary in doing good. And Paul and Silas was there singing and praising God. You know what I'd been doing? Pouting. They were praising, I'd have been pouting. God, what are you doing? What are you doing, God? I, I was out there preaching to these guys. I was out there doing your will. I was doing your way. And now I'm in jail. I thought if I followed you, everything was going to be all right. God said, it will be. But not your way of all right. It's going to be my way of all right. Because my way is the best way. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I can't read that enough. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Boy, there's always somebody watching Guys, when you're out there working during the week, there's always somebody watching you. Hey, I go to First Baptist Church, Kaiser. There's always somebody watching you. There's somebody in your family always watching. Why don't you come go to church with me? There's somebody always watching you. Maybe the reason they're not coming to church with you is because you don't show enough light during the week of Jesus to come to church with you. Maybe they don't see any difference in your life. You know, people want to see something different in you if they're going to follow you. And so maybe we just not living the good, bright life. But they were what? These other men were going, man, what in the world? 
We're, and remember now, they're in stocks. You remember that when old pilgrims, you know, you see that, and they're in, and yet their head, they kind of might have had their head or their feet, but they're in chains and stocks. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. They're singing. And the people are watching that. They're being a testimony while they're locked up in prison. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, another miracle of God, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Not just Paul and Silas, everyone's. And the jail wasn't destroyed. Just, just by happenstance, the doors flew open. Hmm. The, ja- the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open and he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, y'all have heard this story before. If you were in charge of someone and they got away, you suffered their, their, their uh, penalty. You suffered what they would have suffered. And here, if they got away, he said, man, there's so many different prisoners in here. If they've all got away, I'm a dead man. So rather than go through the abuse and the caning and the flogging and them killing me, I'm just going to stab myself in the heart and be done with it. I'd rather take my own life than somebody else punish me. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Don't you know unto this point that was the sweetest words that man had ever heard in his life? Don't kill yourself. Don't, 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 no, no, don't do that. We are all still here. And then he got convicted, guys. I want you to look at God, how God works something good and everything bad. He then, the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I get? What must I do? What must I go through to get what you got? You see, that's, what, that's the way the plan of salvation was supposed to work. God was going to save us. We were going to live in such a way that it just, people just could see God. And they were going to come up and say, what do you have so that I can have that too? When's the last time someone asked you, what do you have so I can have that too? When's the last time somebody asked you that? What do you have so I can have that too? And it's not the time to go, well, let me tell you. It's the time to bow your head and say, let me show you Jesus Christ. Because what he's done for me. This is the point that every person has got to get to before they're saved. You have to realize that you're lost before you can be saved. You have to realize that if you don't get saved, you're going to spend eternity in hell before you get saved. And you know what? I I think maybe that's the reason why we're not as on fire for God as we should be. I'm not sure that we visit that enough. Or, Or maybe we've just been saved so long. I've been saved since I was nine years old. Maybe we've just been saved so long, Bobby, that that we don't realize what we were saved from. We were saved from an everlasting torture in the flames of hell. Let me ask you this. A lot of you like to go to the lake. Cool place. You're going down in the water. You can't swim. You're going down and you're going down. 
and you scream out, somebody save me. You realize that if somebody don't come, I'm going down for the last time and I'm not going to come back up. And somebody reaches their hand down and brings you out of that water and rescues you. Do you think you will ever forget that person? No. Jesus Christ reached down in the flames of hell and grabbed you and brought you out of that and put you in his arms. Guys, we should never forget the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This jailer, he realized, I am not ready. I am lost. When you work with an addict or you work with somebody that has this addiction, the first thing they have to do to get help is say, I need help. I am an addict. This man knew, I need to, I'm lost. I have no hope. We need to realize in this building this morning that before Jesus saved us, we had no hope. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, he wants to rescue you. It's something you can't do for yourself. It's something that I can't do for you and I would love to, but I can't do it. Only Jesus Christ can do it for you. You've got to say like the jailer said that day, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be rescued? What must I do to be brought up out of the flames to live eternally with Jesus Christ? And Paul answered the question. Verse 31, underline it. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Boy, that's complicated, isn't it, Brother Todd? No! It's simple. God made it simple because we're simple. (laughs) He made it simple because we're simple. Quit trying to confuse people. This is one of my biggest pet peeves lately. It seems like all of us people in church are trying to confuse people on what salvation is and what it's not. Well, you're not doing this, so you're not saved. Well, you're not doing that, so you're not saved. Here it is, guys, and I understand why people are confused. Here's one thing I preach. You can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And I believe that. I believe that. But then right over here we'll go, but if you're not doing this, you're not living that way, you're not standing one leg, and you're not scratching your head and rubbing your belly, you can't be saved. It's confusing. It's confusing. Stop it. Here's what you need to know to be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, period. That's all you need to know. There's no sense being confused. Period. Period. But you got to do, no. But you got to add, no. But what about, no. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will be saved. What a day. Let me read out. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. Now, let me read the end of that. It says, you and your household. Now, real quick, now, we all understand that they're not saying that if this one man got saved, his whole household was saved because of him. We understand that. We don't get saved for other people, all right? But what he's saying, he says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you and anyone in your house that believes in Jesus Christ can be saved. All right, everybody understand that? Everybody shake their head so I know you're with me, all right? They're not saying that one guy gets saved for the whole house. Everybody has to do this on their own. 
It's one-one, one-on-one, you and Jesus. So he says, you and your household, anyone that believes in Jesus Christ as Lord can be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. See, they took time with each one, just like we do the kids at camp. We take time with each one, each one, each one. They spoke the words, thou shalt be saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They told him about the gospel, Jesus dying for them on the cross. Verse 33, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately, he and his whole, all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy. Boy, don't, don't, don't miss that. Because he's saved, guys. He's filled with joy. Because he had come to believe in God, be he and his whole household. His whole family got saved that night. Man, there's nothing greater as a pastor than to get up in that baptistry and, and baptize the whole family at once. I've got an honor to do that a few times since I've been your pastor. But here's mom, and here's dad, and here's son, here's daughter. That, that's awesome. That's wonderful. Did you see the, did you see the, heart of the change of heart in the jailer? He was so thankful for salvation. What was he doing? He was wiping the wounds of Paul and Silas. He was cleaning their wounds. He realized, he realized what was going on. What, what, I, what I was two hours ago to what I am now, all I can do is just give. All I can do is just serve because of what God's done to me. Two hours ago, he was telling them, shut up in there, go to sleep. Two hours later, he's washing their wounds and he's filled with joy because Jesus has saved them. Mm. When it's daylight, the magistrate sent the officers to the jail with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. <laughs> Paul said, no, wait a minute. Y'all hang with me. I know it's getting late. I got to finish this right here. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. Listen, Paul said, no, we're not just going to sneak out of town. And this wasn't about, come look at me, how big a Christian I am. Paul wanted to make sure that his testimony was untarnished. Your testimony is the most valuable thing you got. Protect it. But he didn't want to just sneak out of town. You know, he could have said, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I've been doing. I've been running out of town, you know. Come on, let's go. He said, no, you tell them to come down there and tell me that. Because there would have been people going, who were those men? Where did they go? What, what were they teaching again? Who were they preaching about? Well, you know what? They must have been false prophets because I, I don't see them anymore. And Paul knew all this. Paul said, I can't let that happen. I cannot ruin the reputation of my Lord. And I want them to know when we walk out of this town that we're walking, holding the banner of God high. Guys, when you walk out these doors here in just a few minutes, you hold the banner of the Lord Jesus high. You hold it high at work this week. You hold it high in your family. And you guys follow Jesus Christ. You speak of him and you live such a life that people can see Jesus in you and me. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. 
They came to appease them. They weren't happy about it. They just come because if it'll make them happy, I'll come. They might, they might rise up a bigger stink. Because I wonder why Paul didn't say he was a Roman citizen before they flogged him. He could have pulled the citizen card right then and, and spared a whipping. But he said, I'm going to follow what God says. God says, I'll show you when you can play that card when it's time. He played the card at the end so that he could save the testimony of himself and also bring glory to God. And that's great, great to know. Sometimes we want to play whatever to get out of the mess. Sometimes God wants to take us through the mess so that he can be glorified. And I don't like that way. I don't like that way, Rick. I like him to clean the mess and then take me through it so I can look like what a big, strong Christian I am. No. Sometimes he wants us to go right through the middle of the ugliest mess and come out on the other side lifting the banner of the Lord Jesus high. And that's not, hard. That's not easy to do. The officers reported the magistrate, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the city and requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with their brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. <laughs> he said, we're leaving on our terms. We're, we're leaving on God's terms. He said, you guys can go now. And what they were saying is, please get out of town as quick as you can. They go, well, we got some other things to do. Lydia, if you read back just a little bit, they, they led her to Christ. And so they went to check on her and went to encourage the new Christians and do what God asked them to come to do, and then they left. So, all that, i got two questions for you. One question is, if you're on the side without the Lord this morning, what's keeping you from Jesus? The other question is for you guys that have been saved a while, like me. Are you pouting or praising? Is your life, oh, woe is me, and God, why aren't you doing anything good for me, and God, where are you at, and God, why am I going through such a mess? Are you praising God in the middle of your storm? And that's, that's not easy to do. I'm not trying to say that everybody can do that really. I can't do that real easy. But you know what? We serve a God that can take us through the storm. We're going to hear my, one of my favorite songs here in just a minute, Keep Me Safe Till the Storm Passes By. And he will do that. Was Paul and Silas in a storm? You better believe it. Did he keep them safe through that? Well, I don't know, Brother Todd, they got a whipping. I don't know, Brother Todd, they got locked up in chains. But who was glorified when they walked out of the city that day? Jesus Christ. Now that's hard because that took some sacrifice. You know what? I think if you'd asked Paul and Silas, they would have missed the whipping. They would have missed the chains. They would have not done those things. But instead of pouting about it, they were praising God. They might have been singing the same song that they were singing in jail as they walked out the city. They're still singing. You remember that night we were sitting in jail singing and praising God? You know, if I talked about that for years after that. You know, we sat around and talked about his guys' journeys. You imagine them guys sitting around a few weeks later going, you remember that night we was in jail and God showed up, you know? Isn't it always, say, isn't it always amazing what God does and we get to look back and we see him working and we go, man, that was supernatural. That was something I didn't expect. God wants you to expect the unexpected because he's not of this world. He's not confined by this world. He don't have to play by this, rule, this world's rules. He goes on his own accord, and it's always perfect. I want to go with him, don't you? So this morning, 
Is there something keeping you from Jesus? What was keeping that jailer from Jesus? He'd never really seen anybody live it out loud. What was keeping that young lady from Jesus? She had a demon in her. And the other thing is, are you pouting or praising this morning? During this time, I just ask you, Lord, help me to praise more and pout less. Maybe that could be your prayer this morning. That's my prayer. Maybe you say, I'm not going to let anything keep me from Jesus. Maybe you want to ask the question this morning that that jailer did. What must I do to be saved? I'm going to have Gary here and Rick's going to be here. Miss Joyce is going to be down here. And if you want to come down and ask him this morning, what must I do to be saved? You know what? They can tell you. I can tell you. You can come ask me. What must I do to be saved? That's the only question you've got to ask. And they'll take it from there. You just got to realize that you're lost and you need a Savior. And he'll take care of you. Let's pray. Then, Father, we thank you for this message this morning. Lord, what we learn from your word is just un unbelievable. We thank you that you are a supernatural God, one that works above and beyond anything we can ever imagine. We, we thank you for taking us through the storms of our life. And, Lord, I ask on my behalf to just forgive me on the times that I pout rather than praise. Lord, help me to praise you more and more each day and help me to be expecting you to do something big each day of my life. Lord, forgive me for times of laziness, for times of slothfulness. Lord, help me continue to, to do what you've asked me to do. And Lord, I pray for strength for my brothers and sisters, that we will live in such a way that people will say, what is it you got? I'd like to have some of that. Lord, help us to live in that way. Lord, speak to hearts this morning. Lord, if there's someone here that's lost, Lord, I pray with everything I have right now, please bring them to salvation today. Please let them see the way, the truth, and the life in you. Lord, just be with our prayer partners as they work with folks this morning, as they pray with folks. Give them the words to say. Give me the words to say as people come. Be with our people that will pray there in their chairs. And Lord, just be with us now as we just take five minutes for you. In your name we pray. Amen.